We went through the Mississippi 15-week abortion limits yesterday. We went through Roe versus Wade yesterday, and we went through Planned Parenthood versus Casey yesterday. Now, let's take a look at the arguments, the oral arguments that appeared in front of the Supreme Court in this week's Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Organization. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Okay, let's get to the arguments. We talked a lot about the precedents yesterday. We talked a little bit about the abortion law. The abortion law in Mississippi is very straightforward. 15 weeks, up to 15 weeks, you can have an abortion. After that, you cannot. And it's basically called a heartbeat bill. That's what it is. Uh, so I struggled to figure out how to format this whole thing. Uh, I wanted to focus on the arguments from the lawyers more than I wanted to focus on the questions from the justices. That doesn't mean that I'm going to ignore the the focus, uh, uh, ignore the questions from the justices, because you get an idea of what they are going to rule on based on some of their questions. And some of their questions are just absolutely asinine. And they really show the bias that they actually have. So there is some, imp- and then some of the justices' questions, that Sotomayor was just absolutely terrible. Yeah, I can't believe she actually taught at Harvard and she's actually on the Supreme Court. But we we get a better idea just by listening to the, and, and other reasons we want to listen to some of the questions is because when these guys argue in front of the court, they actually, they have written briefs that they give to the court before the oral arguments. The oral arguments are only about two minutes apiece, and then questions are asked. So there's not a lot of time to make it a good argument in two minutes. Both these folks made the arguments based off of their beliefs, and they were they were the standard arguments. Nothing was really out there here. Nothing there is nothing flashy in these these arguments, but you really do see the differences in mentality by having them back to back. So again, each argument is about two minutes. Now, please understand something. I'm biased. Uh, and the um, I don't know if he's the respondent or the petitioner, but the anti Roe and Casey. I'm going to have opinions that I believe everything he said and the other gal. I'm going to obviously say that, no, this person, this is just wrong. So I already have bias. I have confirmation bias. Understand that. I, I stand on a very, very conservative platform when it comes to abortion, as you know from listening to my podcast. So let's get to it. Um, the lawyer arguing for the Mississippi law that bans abortion after 15 weeks is Mississippi is the uh, Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart. So let's get let's listen to his opening, and I'll interrupt every once in a while to give my two cents. So here it is. Here's it starts. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey haunt our country. They have no basis in the Constitution. They have no home in our history or traditions. They've damaged the democratic process. They've poisoned the law. They've choked off compromise. For 50 years, they've kept this court at the center of a political battle that it can never resolve. And 50 years on, they stand alone. Nowhere else does this court recognize a right to end a human life. All of this that he just said is true. I would say there are several damaging decisions through history that happened before this. So it might be a bit of an exaggeration. Well, it's not an exaggeration. I'll explain why it is. I mean, you had the Dred Scott ruling back in the 1850s. That was a horde that 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 made um, the that defined the Jim Crow laws. You uh, you had the right to privacy being thrown in in the 1950s. There have been other precedents that had, this has been happening since early 1900s, where the the Supreme Court has been. Ch- little by little changing the text of the Constitution. 
because of activists, judges. Now, the reason this is, his statement is correct, is that this, these precedents that he's talking about have killed 60 million babies. That's where he's coming from. This is genocide that the courts allowed. And he's right that this has been politicized. The court has politicized themselves by ruling for Roe versus Wade. So he is correct. And yes, they did take away, these two cases did take away, these two precedents did take away democracy. Because instead of letting the states make the decisions that they want to make on abortion, they just federalized it and made it legal throughout. And that is not, they created law is essentially what they did. So what he is saying is correct. It is extremely damaging. And this issue, more than any other issue, even Dred Scott, this issue is so polarized. No, Dred Scott is just as bad because I think slavery here, this abortion can be compared to slavery and Jim Crow. I don't see how it can't be compared to the two. But this issue is so polarizing, there's no real middle ground. Now, I want to be very clear on something. In abortion, there is a middle ground. There are gray areas. It's, it is a case-by-case -case basis. It is an individual basis. Sometimes abortion may be appropriate. I can't think of the time there it would be. But I can, maybe I can think of a couple of times you'd say abortion would probably be the right thing to do here. But to sit back and take it away from the states to make that decision and federalize that decision where you've got country, you've got states like Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Missouri, Texas, they don't want abortion at all. And the people have proven they don't want to, the people have stated they don't want abortion in those states. That's wrong. And that is against the Constitution. And it's damaging. It's very damaging. And by, way, by the way, Rickleman, the pro-abortionist, is going to say that too. And I, and I think she accidentally made his argument for him. Okay, let's continue. Consider this case. The Mississippi law here prohibits abortions after 15 weeks. The law includes robust exceptions for a woman's life and health. It leaves months to obtain an abortion. Yet the courts below struck the law down. It didn't matter that the law, apply, that the law applies when an unborn child is undeniably human, when risks to women surge, and when the common abortion procedure is brutal. This is a very interesting point that he brings up. Uh, there seems to be this belief that if a woman is in mortal danger by giving birth, she still cannot get an abortion. That's not the case. It's never been the case. And it's been a BS lie that the left has always brought up. First off, the mother's life has always been more important than the fetus's. Abortion has always been permissible with this. Even conservative religions like Catholicism and Judaism believe that believe that the woman that the mother's life is more important than the fetus, and they do permit both seriously conservative religions do permit abortions, do permit abortion if the mother's life in danger. So that is absolutely true. The other thing that's true is what he said about abortion itself. We know for a fact that the baby is a human being at conception. The American Medical Association has stated that. They scientifically have, it's been scientifically proven. Again, I, I, I always mention this. Test two babies, intravenous fertilization, DNA tests have all stated that this is a separate human being. We know that abortion is both psychologically, emo is psychologically emotionally, and physically damaged damaging and dangerous to women. We just have to look at Kermit Gosnell to know this. Many of his patients were left sterile and a few even died. The process of abortion is extremely brutal. The doctor poisons the fetus. The doctor dilates the woman's uh, uh, cervix. The doctor stabs the skull of the baby with a tube, sucks out the brains to collapse the skull, then he cuts the fetus into pieces and then sucks out the pieces. This is also a major cause for infection on women. 
So it is not something that is safe for women. It is not, it, it's brutal on the fetus. It's brutal on the woman's body. And he's, he's stating that. And the, the fetus is a human being. And everyone knows it. It's scientifically proven. Let's continue. The lower courts held that because the law prohibits abortions before viability, it is unconstitutional no matter what. Rowan Casey's core holding, according to those courts, is that the people can protect an unborn girl's life when she just barely can survive outside the womb, but not any earlier when she needs a little more help. That is the world under Roe and Casey. That is not the world the Constitution promises. The Constitution places its trust in the people. On hard issue after hard issue, the people make this country work. Abortion is a hard issue. It demands the best from all of us, not a judgment by just a few of us. When an issue affects everyone, and when the Constitution does not take sides on it, it belongs to the people. Roe and Casey have failed, but the people, if given the chance, will succeed. This court should overrule Roe and Casey and uphold the state's law. I welcome the court's questions. I find his closing to be the most important point of the entire argument. The idea with the Constitution is that decisions like this is left to the people of the states, not by the Supreme Court. And because there was no mention of abortion in the Constitution, that means the states make the decision. And I mean, it literally has to say abortion in the Constitution for the Supreme Court to rule on it. And because it doesn't, it should dump, it's got to be dumped onto the states. I mean, literally, the word abortion has to be in the Constitution. And we can tell how the Constitution has been manipulated. We talked about the right to privacy, which is the basis for Roe versus Wade. Is the Privacy is not mentioned in the Constitution. And technically, you can take, if you buy the fact that the fetus is a human being, you can, and there are a lot of people out there who deny science and say that the fetus is not a human being. We, we've got to be very clear on that. That is, that is a truth. But if you take that privacy statement and you believe in abortion and you believe in uh, the right to privacy and you believe it as a human being, then you have to also believe that murdering somebody in your own home, whether that person is that person is uh, viable or not, let's say in comatose, you have to sit there and say that that person is not viable, someone who's brain dead, for example, a lot of people want to keep them alive, you can just go out and shoot them. Because you've got the right to privacy to do that, and that person is not conscience or conscious or they say viable. All right, I, I think that's a kind of a crappy argument on my side, but... But the reality is, the viability argument is really tough when it comes to comatose people, because they don't eat, they're not viable, you have to work to keep them alive. Well, why not allow them to kill them and, and then rule it's a right to privacy? I, it, I mean, that is something. The other problem is, um, abortion, abortion is not necessarily going to be something that's restricted. The states, there are going to be states like California and New York that are going to be able to sit there and say, hey, we're going to not only not restrict abortion, we're not only going to keep abortion illegal, we're going to open the restrictions. Virginia believes that a baby that is born through a failed abortion, they believe you still should be able to kill that baby, even though it survived. But the primary focus that this guy does, which I really love, is the humanity of the child. He even calls the child a she in his statement, that this is a human being. And just because the human being can't necessarily jump out of the womb at 13 weeks does not mean that that fetus should just be, you know, destroyed. You, you can legally go out and kill it. And he also focuses on the fetus's rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We will talk about that in just a second. The other 
thing, there's another great lie of the left. Um, I'm sorry. The great lie of the left is women's rights. You notice he never mentions women's rights? This isn't an accident because it is not an argument. It is not even worth paying attention to the term women's rights. It is not a right in the United States if your right harms or blocks the rights of other individuals. In his argument, he makes very clear the humanity of the baby. I would have liked him to be more scientific in the argument, but I do understand he only has two minutes and he probably has all the science in his written brief. But the reality is, it's a human being. He makes that very clear. He does mention science in there somewhere. And he says that women's rights, that's not an issue here because a woman doesn't have the right to take away the rights of another human being. Very strong argument. Uh, yes, because it's only two minutes, it does leave some openings, and we're going to hear those openings from some... Well, not really. I don't think any of the questioning by the, the uh, leftist jurists in the in, in during their questions are very strong. So, we'll have to see. Okay, so the next argument is to keep Roe versus Casey, Roe and Casey, and the respondent is named Julie Rickleman, who's the senior director for, for of the Center for Reproductive Rights. So let's listen to her opening, and I'll do the same thing I did with the last opening. I will just kind of interrupt it here and there. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, Mississippi's ban on abortion two months before viability is flatly unconstitutional under decades of precedent. Mississippi asks the court to dismantle this precedent and allow states to force women to remain pregnant and give birth against their will. The court should refuse to do so for at least three reasons. I hate her, press, her uh, premise right off the bat here. Viability was a subjective standard. It was non-scientific. In 1993, when Casey was held, they realized that the... the viability standard that Roe used was bad, and they went from the trimester system to uh, the week system. And also, where they, when they came up with 24 weeks, they just kind of came up with it, and they didn't really have a good reason why to use 24 weeks. I also don't like this standard, but I'm going to get to this later. I don't like the viability standard because, well, does that mean before viability? And this was argued by Stewart. Does that mean before viability, it's less of a human being? I'm going to get into that a little later. I'm going to beat on that more later. Uh, at the end, probably. Uh, the big problem here, and she does address this later, but it, she doesn't address it satisfactorily, satisfactory, is that the problem is the precedents were in themselves unconstitutional. They were created incorrectly. They were worded incorrectly. They put words in... Basically, those precedents created law that wasn't there in the Constitution and nobody voted on. And by the way, this is a sick, and this is not a sick, but it's a sorry argument. Forcing women to remain pregnant and force birth, that is just a false argument. The choice women have is to get pregnant before being pregnant. To have sex before being pregnant. Here's a newsflash. I've made this argument. We know how you get pregnant. It's not a big secret. The idea here is make the decision before you get pregnant. And that's the idea. So it's a false false choice. I got pregnant. Now I got to figure out whether to kill the baby or not. I, I really don't. I really don't like that argument. There's nothing in that in that in that introduction that she made that was convincing at all. First, stare decisis presents an especially high bar here. In Casey, this court carefully examined and rejected every possible reason for overruling Roe, holding that a woman's right to end a pregnancy before viability was a rule of law and a component of liberty it could not renounce. 
The question then is not whether Roe should be overturned, but whether Casey was egregiously wrong to adhere to Roe's central holding. This is a terrible argument. I and in believe it or not, this is a terrible argument, but it really is the best one that she has. Everything else really just kind of falls apart if you if you take what Stewart said and apply it, it falls apart. So what is stereodizes? Um, because that seems to be the big thing. Stereodizes from this is from CornellLaw.com. Uh, stereodizes is defined. I, I'm quoting this. Stereodizes is defined is Latin for to stand by things decided. In short, it is a doctrine of precedent. Courts cite to stereodizes when an issue has been previously brought to the court and a ruling already issued. Horizontal stereodizes refers to a court adhering to its own precedent. Okay, here's the problem with stare decisis. If every precedent, every precedent was upheld because of stare decisis, Dred Scott would still be upheld in the courts today and we'd still have Jim Crow laws. Why was stare decisis rejected by the courts in the in the 50s? I, I believe it was Brown versus the Board of Education that killed Dred Scott and Jim Crow laws. I, I, I can't remember exactly. But because Dred Scott was evil, Jim Crow was evil, discrimination and segregation were evil. And even though the Jim Crow laws were around for a hundred years and Dred Scott survived every attack in the courts... Because it was evil, it was eventually overruled in spite of stare decisis. This is the same thing. Yes, you can argue stare decisis because uh, uh, Roe versus Wade's been around for 50 years and, and what's it called? Uh, Casey's been around how many years? 20, 21, 21, 30 years. All right. But the reality of the matter is, it doesn't change the fact that they were bad decisions. And stare decisis is not going to withstand this court if this court believes that this is a human being, whereas other courts, including Casey and Roe, did not believe that the fetus was a human being. That's going to be a problem she has. I also want to point out that she talks about liberty throughout her argument, not privacy, which is what Roe concentrated on. That's because the wording of Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, which is what Roe used to determine privacy, never used privacy. And she knows she's arguing in front of at least five textualist judges. And she knows liberty is going to... Now, she's going to get beaten up on this point. So... You know one of them's going to beat her up on it. and it, it ends up being multiple do. But that's the whole kick. And finally, Star Decisis is just weak. No, because wrong is wrong. Evil is evil. Wrong is wrong. If the precedent's wrong, if the precedent might be right, but it was brought in the wrong way, which Roe was, then you have to overrule Roe. If Casey's logic and reasoning are incorrect you have to overrule casey it is clear in both cases that's true okay so let's let's continue on and listen to her next argument or her three arguments here second casey and roe were correct for a state to take control of a woman's body and demand that she go through pregnancy and childbirth with all the physical risks and life-altering consequences that brings is a fundamental deprivation of her liberty. Preserving a woman's right to make this decision until viability protects her liberty while logically balancing the other interests at stake. Okay, this could have been a good argument. But she kind of skipped over some things. First off, what Stewart is saying is Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood were not right because it didn't take into consideration the humanity of the fetus. He said this. And he also said that these laws were 
these laws, these precedents, which ended up being federal law, constitute. Well, I mean, we can't call them constitutional law because the only constitutional law you actually have is creating an amendment. Okay, these were not. These are not. Roe and Casey are not. Are both are morally wrong, legally wrong, and scientifically wrong. Do you know what she doesn't address? Any of those. She doesn't address that this is a human being. She doesn't address that there is no abortion in the Constitution. And she doesn't address that science has already said that the fetus is a human being. This is going to be a problem for her. Again, now, if she did address that stuff, maybe she did in her legal brief, I doubt it, then this might have been a good argument. And I, I'm so tired of hearing this. You know what? The state's not taking anybody's liberty away. They're not. They're saying you can't kill children. That's essentially what they're saying. You can't kill children. And I love the talk of consequences. Right now, consequences for a woman getting pregnant is all on the state. And those consequences are the possibility of genocide. That we may be may have been committing genocide for the last fifty years by overturning Roe versus Wade, the consequences shift to the man and the woman to take responsibility not to get pregnant, because once you get pregnant, you've crossed the line. You can't cross back. It's kind of like if you're drunk driving. And you ram into a family and you kill the entire family. Guess what? Your bad decisions, your bad decisions, you now have to live with the consequences. You passed a line. This is what pregnancy is. Again, it's not a right when it violates the rights of another. In this case, the fetus or the baby. And neither of these precedents are constitutional because abortion is not mentioned in the Constitution and that's what should have happened in Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade said there should have said, I mean, they, they went around. Not only was abortion not mentioned in Roe versus Wade, they made up a word to make abortion legal. So it violates the Constitution in a couple of layers. These are bad precedents that the Supreme Court should not have ruled on. They should have dumped it right back on the states and let the states make the decision. Okay, and let's listen to her final argument in her closing. Third, eliminating or reducing the right to abortion will propel women backwards. Two generations have now relied on this right, and one out of every four women makes the decision to end a pregnancy. Mississippi's ban would particularly hurt women with a major health or life change during the course of a pregnancy, poor women who are twice as likely to be delayed in accessing care, and young people or those in contraception who take longer to recognize a pregnancy. To avoid profound damage to women's liberty, equality, and the rule of law, the court should affirm. Propel women backwards. Well, I gotta tell you. She hasn't convinced me of anything when it comes to legalizing abortion, continuing Roe versus Wade, continuing um, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Nothing. So this last argument, everyone's a victim. Women, poor women, women who have health issues. The only people she didn't mark up here were uh, women of color, and she probably didn't that didn't do that because Margaret Sanger, uh, who founded Planned Parenthood, was a racist and a eugenicist, and that w would have opened a can of worms with Clarence Thomas because Margaret Sanger opened up a Planned Parenthood in the middle of New York's urban area to kill black babies. And by the way, you notice who was the victim? All the victims that she announced? One of the victims. One person, one individual, or in a group of individuals, she didn't mention, babies. 
I don't know, maybe I'm way off here, but dead is pretty backwards. Notice the baby is not only none of her victims, the baby is never mentioned in the two minutes she talks. Here's something, and this is the big thing, responsibility sucks. Consequences suck. And sometimes when you make bad decisions, you have to face responsibility and consequences. What she wants to do is she wants responsibility and consequences put on the state, put on the federal government in this case, so that people can avoid, women can avoid consequences and responsibility, or men. By the way, here's something I do want to bring up, even though this is not part of this. Uh, There is a big argument about, and she didn't bring this up, but men not being as responsible as women. Okay, well then make laws. I'm good with it. I paid child support for 20, for, geez, 10 years. I paid a lot of child support. I mean, I was eating top ramen beyond all belief in the time I was paying support. So, and to this day, I still give my kids money. So, I tell you what, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Change the laws. Because men should be responsible too. Now, this is the big argument I want to make. Notice she doesn't address something in her entire argument. She never denies that the fetus is a human being. She's arguing about the viability of the fetus. But she never denies that viability before 24 weeks is that is that fetus is not a human being. She never does this. And by the way, that was the basis for Roe and Casey. That um, Casey literally said, well, it's not a human being until 24 weeks. And then after 24 weeks, you can't abort it because it is a human being. Uh, Roe never really brought it up at all. They just thought it was a clump of cells from conception to birth until it was out of the woman. This is something interesting <coughs> because you hear during abortion protests that the fetus is just a clump of cells. Rickman doesn't say that at all. That does not make for a good argument when your opponent is arguing you're killing a human being and he has scientific evidence of it. In fact, she doesn't mention the fetus, the baby, at all in her argument. Matter of fact, I use the term fetus to keep it non-secular. That's going to be a thing later. It's all women's rights crap. The fetus is a human being. It is a human being at conception. Rickman does not argue that. Rickman does not counter that. This is the problem with the pro-abortion crowd. They can't argue the facts. They can't argue the science. All they can do do all they can do is argue in the the arena of public opinion. She did absolutely nothing to convince me that abortion should be kept legal. As a matter of fact, I think she did enough to prove to me that abortion needs to be outlawed and that we've been killing human beings for the last uh, 47 years. Okay. Now let's get to the fun part. This is going to be the questions that the justices asked. Now, a lot of this I just kind of threw in here. I, I don't really, I just found stuff that I found interesting. It's in no particular order. But let's listen to what they had to say. And we can really question the justices and the arguments made by the two opponents. So let's take a look. So here's uh, Clarence Thomas asking Rickleman about the argument she's trying to make. Let's listen. What I'm trying to focus on is if we is to lower the level of generality or at least be a little bit more specific. In the old days, we used to say it was a right to privacy that the court found in the uh, due process, substantive due process 
clause, okay? So, or in substantive due process. And I'm trying to get you to tell me what are we relying on now? Is it privacy? Is it autonomy? What is it? I think it continues to be liberty and the right exists whatever level of generality the court applies. Okay, Thomas scored a huge hit here if you're a textualist or originalist. Rickleman seems to be trying to rewrite Roe. She doesn't want to use the term privacy, which is what was the word in Roe. And this is a problem for her. And this is a problem for Thomas. Because Thomas doesn't believe that privacy is written in the Constitution. The reality, it's not. And she is really having a hard time answering it without using the word privacy. She knows Thomas is a, a, a contextualist. She knows he's reading the Constitution literally. And here's the other problem. Nowhere in the in the 14th Amendment, Section 1, 14th Amendment, I read it yesterday, Does it, or Friday, does it mention the word privacy? And, and she has decided to change the, the term liberty into meaning privacy. They don't mean the same thing. And instead of saying, I don't know, she goes on about liberty as if it means privacy. In other words, using this, doing the same thing the left does, I created a word salad. She has no answer. That's, that's her answer. Here's Justice Sotomayor making an insane comparison about a fetus and brain-dead people. This is just... Oh, this is just a, a horrid example, and she shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. Virtually every state defines a brain death as death. Yet the literature is filled with episodes of people who are completely and utterly brain dead responding to stimuli. Um, it, there's about 40% of dead people who, if you touch their feet, the foot will recoil. There are spontaneous acts by dead brain people. So I don't think that a response to, uh, by a fetus necessarily proves that there's a sensation of pain or that there's consciousness. I used to think you had to be smart to be on the Supreme Court. I have been corrected. This is an insane assertion. Or just someone who's trying to reach for something. Here's the reality. Um, you know something? When someone's head's chopped off, they still respond to stimuli. That The head responds to stimuli. The body responds to the stimuli. But the body and the head are dead. They're going to die. It may take a minute or two, but they're going to die. A person in a coma or a person that's brain dead will also respond to stimuli. But they are going to die. This is a problem. Brain death is degenerative. And what I mean by degenerative is that individual is going to fall apart and that person is going to die. A fetus is a developing person. In fact, a human being's brain develops until they're like 25 years of age when their prefrontal cortex is finally fully developed. So to sit back and say that a fetus responds means is the same thing, responds to a stimuli, but it, does, it isn't pain, that is itself not proof that the fetus is anything more than a person that's brain dead? is an asinine statement. It's an asinine argument. It's... I'll go a step further. It's reaching. Here's the, here's the problem, and this is, this is the case that Stuart makes, that when an individual is in the womb, it is a developing individual. What she's talking about is just a degenerative state. 
You can't make the comparison. In the end, someone who's brain dead is going to die. In the end, when a baby grows, it's going to be a fully formed human being. So even if the child is not fully functional or doesn't understand the concept of pain, that doesn't mean they're not suffering pain. It's like the brain dead person. You stick a needle in his foot, that doesn't, and he reacts. That doesn't necessarily mean the person who is brain dead isn't in pain. Likewise, a brain dead individual doesn't have a brain. It's only nerve endings that are working and the brain has, has failed. So, a baby whose brain is developing to believe that they're in the same state as a brain dead person is, is, is not even logical. Because that kid's brain is developing, they probably do have some sort of pain. Not to mention if you've ever watched a video where a baby is being aborted on a monitor, you can see the baby is fighting the abortion. The baby is actually trying to get away from it. So this is this is a terrible argument. It, it is an unfeeling, uncaring, sociopathic argument. Sotomayor has shown herself to be nothing but a biased af- activist judge. She's pro-abortion. That's it. There's no reason for Stewart to take on any of her questions seriously. Because she's going to make them, she's going to twist them. You're talking about pain now, which pain is an, a body's reaction to a stimulus so that the body avoids any kind of uh, further pain. You stick a needle in my hand, I pull it away. That's a stimulus. That's pain. This broad has already made her choice. She doesn't care. But this is a stupid reason to make a choice. It just shows she's one-sidedness. This also shows that these judges, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, feel the Constitution can be manipulated. This isn't about pain. This is about if this is a human being. That's what this whole thing is about. Is this a human being or is this not? Is it a developing human being? Is it a degenerative human being? What is this person? But Sotomayor continues with her stupidity, totally missing what her job is about. I can't believe this broad is on the Supreme Court for the rest of her life because she's just dumb. So let's listen to this part. Will this institution survive the stench that this creates in the public perception that the Constitution and its reading are just political acts. I, I, I don't see how it is possible. It's what Casey talked about when it talked about watershed decisions. Some of them, Brown versus Board of Education it mentioned, and this one have such an entrenched set of expectations in our society that this is what the court decided this is what we will follow that the that we won't be able to survive if people believe that everything including new york versus sullivan um i could name any other set of rights um what Sotomayor, Sonia Sotomayor, has been appointed to the Supreme Court for life so she would be immune to public opinion and politics. It's in the Constitution. It's in the Federalist Papers. She should be impeached just for saying this, that she is being manipulated by public opinion and politics. Casey and Roe, which is what Stewart argues... We're always created because of we're created because of popular opinion and politics. That should have never happened. One thing I want to point out, she muddies the waters between the rights that are actually guaranteed in the Constitution and the rights that are permitted by precedence, which means she likes 
to change the Constitution. She wants to be able to change the Constitution. That's a huge mistake. The only rights that are guaranteed are the ones through the Constitution as written. And these are considered by the Founding Fathers as divine and God-given in a secular way, mind you. Thomas Jefferson was very clear. He is a secular. He tried to write the Constitution in a secular way. Rights through precedence are not rights. They are laws that can be overturned. All laws can be overturned. The only laws that can't be overturned are the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and all of the amendments. If you want a right to be guaranteed, to be defined as God-given by this country, we must go through the amendment process. The Supreme Court doesn't make that process. Abortion would never make it through the amendment process. That's, that's, that's the dirty little secret. The ERA was not passed because people began to read it and say, oh, wait a minute. It's been tried to make abortion legal, a legal God-given right, and it failed. In a nutshell, this shows you that we need term limits for Supreme Court justices, because this Supreme Court justice is a bad Supreme Court justice, and she needs to go away, and she can't go away. She's going to be there for her entire life. And, I mean, her logic, her reasoning is bad. Okay, well, here is Sotomayor continuing to be an idiot. This time, she not only denigrates Stewart's arguments, but insults 80% of the United States. So much for giving a crap for what people think, which is what the Constitution is about. Listen to her. It, this, this stuff, I can't believe this gal's on the Supreme Court. How is your interest anything but a religious view? Um, the issue of when life begins has been hotly debated by philosophers since the beginning of time. It's still debated in religions. Um, so when you say this is the only right that takes away from the state the ability to protect the life, that's a religious view, isn't it? Because it assumes that a fetus is life at when? You're not drawing your, when do you suggest we begin that life? Your Honor, I, I, aside from- I'm putting it aside from religion. I, I, I'll, I'll try to, I, th I think there might be more than one question, and I'll do my very best, Justice Sotomayor. Um, I, I think this court in Gonzales pretty clearly recognized that before viability, we are talking with unborn life with a human organism. And I think the philosophical questions Your Honor mentioned, all those reasons that they're hard, they've been debated, they're, they're, they're important, they're, those are all reasons to return this to the people, because the people should get to debate these hard issues. I think this is a great question. It shows the left for what they are. First off, Stewart made a reasonable, moral, and scientific argument. He never said anything about religion. I think the problem Sotomayor is, is, is looking for is she's looking to make a muddled philosophical argument. And he's basically saying, well, wait a minute. Um, being a human being, it's scientifically proven I don't like his answer here. I think he got I think he got completely thrown off. All right. The question he should have probably said is no. Scientifically it is a human being, period. I never made a religious argument. She's ignoring the science that he I think probably put out. And now she wants to make it a more muddled, a more subjective, philosophical question. So this is a huge problem with her question. Um, 
it actually, actually, to be honest, it's Rickleman who is making the philosophical argument in this whole thing, not Stewart. She made a philosophical argument when she sat back and said, well, Casey was right in 1993, even though the science said Casey was wrong. And then, of course, we got to admit, she's uh, Sotomayor is smacking religion. In this case, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, all three are horribly anti-abortion. And it also it also brings up a, a far it also brings up a real philosophical quandary, and that's that is all, all morality tied to religion? Is morality based on religion? If so, what is the fix? What is this fictitious separation of church and state, which was from a misread letter by Thomas Jefferson? What does that mean? That law needs to be completely separated from morality? Of course, neither of those, co those questions is correct. Morality is not based off religion, and the separation of church and state has nothing to do with banning morality, but it seems like Sotomayor is is melding morality with religion, and since we have a separation of church and state, we cannot have laws that are moral. This question, I thought, was the most telling question about the left, because let's face it, the left is very immoral. I mean, they're trying to legalize pedophilia now. They're trying to make it so that boys who think they're girls at five can go through physical changes by doctors based on, based on their opinion of themselves, five years old. But the, the insanity of the religion doesn't end with her. And I hope I made that really clear. What's Sotomayor? I want to. I want to. I want to make absolutely clear what I'm saying here. And I know I've got music in the background. That music's not going to go away. So I'm going to keep going. What Sotomayor is saying, because this is a moral argument, which, by the way, Stewart is not making a moral argument. He's making a reasonable argument. He's making a scientific argument. But it is. She takes it as it's immoral. She's taking it as it's immoral. Stewart is saying it's immoral. She's saying that morals are tied only with religion and that law needs to be separated from religion so she can't have morality in law. I think that's what I'm seeing out of that question. I think this is something that people are not pushing on. They're not talking about. I think this is really an important question because this basically says later that when we talk about a little boy that wants to have sex with an older man, pedophilia, this could be seen as a moral issue and therefore struck down as, Ill, as legal because we can't have morality because in law because morality is tied to religion and we have a separation of church and state. I want to make sure I really hit this one in the head. But the insanity with religion did not stop with Sotomayor. Uh, here's Justice Stephen Breyer asking Stewart what atheists have said about abortion being bad and that this would change his mind. A weird, weird freaking question. Are there secular philosophers and bioethicists who take the position that uh, the rights of personhood begin um, at conception or at some point other than viability? 
Um, I, I believe so. I mean, I think there's a wide array, I mean, of, of, of people of kind of all different views and, and of no faith views who, who would reasonably have that view, Your Honor. It's, it's, it's not tied to a religious view, and I don't think were it otherwise, this Court's jurisprudence would, on this issue, would run right into some of its uh, religious exercise jurisprudence. Okay. Uh, a couple of uh, philosopher and bioethicists? Is this guy effing kidding me? Stewart is basing everything on actual science, not ethics, not philosophy. But okay, it's just another attack on religion, which is fine. Enter Clarence Thomas, who is going to sit back and tear everything apart. Let's look at a couple things that atheists have touted. How about Friedrich Nietzsche, a humanist? When he said God is dead in the gay science, he wasn't celebrating God is dead. He was lamenting it. He thought man needed religious morality to keep him from being tyrannical, which would have led to deaths of people. Here's a newsflash. He didn't talk about abortion. He just said people need it because they will kill each other if there is no godly morality. What other philosopher believed in morality? Not necessarily religious morality. How about Albert Camus, the absurdist who broke away from John Paul Sartre's existentialism? In The Stranger, he said we have to have moral responsibility, though there is no moral bounds created by religion. Now, he never talked about abortion. Can Mr. Breyer, Justice Breyer, actually point to any philosopher or bioethicist that said abortion's a good thing? I guarantee you he can't unless the people he points to are activists. But the reality is Stewart did not make an ethical or moral argument or moral argument. He made a scientific argument about people being human beings and they don't even look, he doesn't, these two, Sotomayor and Breyer, don't even look at the fact that Rick Rickleman, is that her name, Rickleman? Yeah. Rickleman doesn't argue that the fetus is a human being. She doesn't make the case against the fetus being a human being. If there was some scientific evidence that said the fetus wasn't a human being, don't you think that would be something she'd kind of mention? Religion in this whole thing has nothing to do with it. But this is a shot at religion. This is a way that anti that pro-abortionists use. This is what a pro-abortionist use to make anti-abortionists look like religious fanatics. That's what it comes down to. And that's what these two are actually doing. So right off the bat, we know that Sotomayor is going to go against anything that Stewart says. We already know that Breyer is going to go against anything Stewart says. And we can just pretty much assume Kagan is going to because Kagan is an activist judge. Well, the good news is we do have some reasonable judges. And then here, here enter... Clarence Thomas, bringing things back to reality. What's the law? What is in the Constitution that makes Rickleman's summation correct? That makes Rickleman's belief that abortion is a constitutional law right? That's what he's asking here, and he's bringing it away from religion. Let's listen. General, would you specifically tell me, uh, uh, specifically uh, state what the right is? Is it specifically abortion? Is it uh, liberty? Is it autonomy? Is it privacy? The right is grounded in the liberty component of the 14th Amendment, Justice Thomas, but I think that it promotes interests in autonomy, bodily integrity, liberty, and equality. And I do think that it is specifically the right to abortion here, the right of a woman to be able to control without the state forcing her to continue a pregnancy, whether to carry that baby to term. Thomas is looking for words in the Constitution that she's talking about. She has none. She keeps throwing out keywords Thomas might like, in this case, liberty. 
She doesn't throw out autonomy. She doesn't throw out privacy. She can't throw out those because they don't exist in the Constitution. Thomas keeps pushing and he shows how lacking the pro-abortion attorney is in the knowledge of the law or the fact that she's just trying to change the law. Listen to this. This is great. This is very telling. What is confusing is that we, if, if we were talking about the Second Amendment, I know exactly what we're talking about. If we're talking about the Fourth Amendment, I know what we're talking about because it's written. It's there. What specifically is the right here that we're talking about? Well, Justice Thomas, I think that the court in those other contexts with respect to those other amendments has had to articulate what the text means and the bounds of the constitutional guarantees. And it's done so through a variety of different tests that implement First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, Fourth Amendment rights. So I don't think that there is anything unprecedented or anomalous about the right that the court articulated in Roe and Casey and the way that it implemented that right by defining the scope of the liberty interest uh, by reference to viability and providing that that is the moment when the balance of interest tips and when the state can act to prohibit a woman from, from getting an abortion based on its interest in protecting the fetal life at that point. So the right specifically is abortion? It's the right of a woman prior to viability to control whether to continue with a pregnancy, yes. Typical re- uh, leftist response, this is all a word vomit. Thomas asked a specific uh, question. What's constitution where in the constitution does it say abortion is constitutional rickleman gives this huge long-winded answer throwing out a bunch of keywords none of it makes any sense none of it answers his question thomas in a few words rephrases her question is abortion the constant uh one of the constitutional guarantees she gives another long-worded answer which is basically yes Here's the problem for pro for the pro-abortion litigant Rickleman. Abortion is not defined in the Constitution. Period. End of story. There would be no reason for a Roe or a Casey if it was. I, I'm sure she is kicking herself in the ass right now for that answer. See, here's the, here's the whole thing with this, this whole debate. I heard a lot of podcasts about the, um, uh, and by the way, Josie's here and she's eating chips and I keep telling her the Mexican music playing next door is actually louder than anything she could be doing eating chips. She had a really bad day at work today. She's really cute though. Um, wearing her black little pajamas, but here's the whole thing. The left has no answer for abortion. Abortion, scientifically, morally, ethically, is wrong. And they have no answers for this. They are trying to artificially make it part of the Constitution. I guarantee you, you're going to hear, well, wait a minute. We're going to talk about this the other day. So here's here's what I think. Let me, let me conclude this podcast right now. Uh, because Josie's here and I have to conclude the podcast. What's, what's going to happen what do I think is going to happen? We're not going to find out for a couple months. Okay? What I think is going to happen is the Mississippi law is going to stand. There's going to be a 15-week abortion. I think they're going to I think they are going to severely impact Casey. Uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. They're going to basically destroy the 24-week limit. I think there's a good chance Roe versus Wade is going to, which basically overturns Roe versus Wade. I think there's a very good chance Casey gets overturned. I think there's a very good can- chance Casey gets overturned. If Casey gets overturned, Roe versus Wade is standing by itself in a in a in a on an island, and Roe versus Wade is a far worse law, a far worse precedence, and it will probably be, be overturned eventually too. But right now, I think the the big thing, if we can get Casey overturned, that's fantastic. And I think that's what's going to end up happening. I do not survive, I do not see Roe versus Wade and Casey surviving here. One of them's going to get overturned. 
some people say there's going to be kind of a meeting of the minds. There's going to be some sort of negotiations here. But in the end, everyone believes, including looking at the left's reaction, including the left, they believe there's going to be some severe impact on abortion. And a lot of people are pointing at Casey. And like I said, if Casey's, if Casey is overturned, Roe versus Wade is destined to be overturned. And okay, I'm good with it. And that means in California, we've got to figure out how to make it so they don't they don't kill ten year olds legally, which is what California will end up doing. So anyway, okay. This was a really long, 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 long podcast. I know it took me basically all Saturday to get this thing written and done. So uh, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Take a look at my notes. Take a look at all of the recordings. I I have the whole I have the whole uh, questioning period in on the website. So if you decide that. You know what? I want to. I want to hear more. For example, I did skip certain people. I did skip Gorsuch. I did skip um, uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. I did skip uh, uh, Kavanaugh. They had some questions that show me that yeah, they're not overturning this Mississippi law. But it was so long. There was so much, and I'm already going on an hour and a half. I'm going on. Well, I'm going on an hour and ten minutes. So have a great day. Have a great weekend. On Monday, I'm going to have a, 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 a spot. Hopefully, we have a really slow news weekend so that I can use a little bit more. The media is absolutely flipping out about this abortion case. Absolutely flipping. I swear to you, there, there is they are attacking everything. There is nothing other that a pregnant woman can do than have an abortion right now. Nothing else. She is doomed, this woman, who is pregnant because she had sex when she shouldn't have had sex or should have been more responsible. So we're going to talk. There is an article in the New York Times that is truly, truly disgusting that says abortion is a better... You know, you can take the chips over there so that the microphone doesn't flip out because I'm looking at the microphone now. I'm talking to Josie, by the way. The microphone is flipping out when you take the chips. Okay, so anyway, and by the way, the Mexican music next door is making more noise than you are. So you might as well just take the chip. Here. Take the chips. (laughs) Josie, I love her to death. She is having... She just won't... She's looking at me, she's eating chips, but she decides to reach into the bag here to grab the chips like this. And she's trying to be quiet. It's just not working. Anyway, um, have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There is an evil article in the New York Times. I don't know if you get the New York Times. I do. So guess what? I'll violate copyright regulations and read that article to you where she says that adoption is a worse choice than abortion and this is coming the writer <laughs> the, <laughs> the, she grabbed another chip the writer is an adopted person she thinks it would have been better if she was aborted yay abortion kill babies okay have a great night have a great weekend talk to you monday this is gene and you've listened to dumbasses talking politics